Well, turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as we continue in our Easter study, we are calling it the world's greatest event, and it's uh, dealing with the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We praise God. Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven, came to the earth to die on the cross to pay for sin, and to rise again, conquering death. We call this the gospel. It is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We call it the good news, and there's two parts, death and resurrection. This morning, we celebrate what we call Easter. It's a one time a year in which we remember and think about when Jesus died and then rose again on that first day. And what's so great about it, though, is we as believers worship every Sunday. That's the first day of the week because Jesus rose from the grave on the first day of the week. So really, every Sunday is Resurrection Day. We just highlight it, of course, uh, once a year. Uh, last week, we saw... Jesus declared beforehand that he was going to go to Jerusalem, he'd be handed over to the Gentiles, and he would be crucified and then rise again three days later. In fact, we saw it seven different places last time in the Scripture, showing that he told them he was going to do that. We finished with Jesus dying on the cross to pay for sin and then being buried. And it would all be sad. We would all be without hope if that was the end of the story. But that's not the end of the story. This morning, we're going to see the second half of the Good News message. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The good news message is Jesus died on the cross to pay for sin, and he rose again from the dead, conquering death. That's the good news. So as we study this morning, may we worship our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, you know, most of us like mysteries. It's a story. There's this plot, and, and as you read through the, the book of the story, you're trying to figure something out because something's been hidden. I'm reading an Agatha Christie book right now, and, and somebody got murdered in it, of course, and we're trying to figure out who did it. So it's pretty fun. You know, biblical mysteries are sort of the same way. A Mystery is something, biblical-wise, that had been hidden in the past but is now made known. In 1 Corinthians 15.51, and that's where I'd ask you if you turn, in 1 Corinthians 15.51, Paul talks about a mystery. Listen to this. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. And a mystery, remember, something hidden in the past, now revealed. And he reveals it. He says, We'll not all sleep, but we'll all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. He says that what's going to happen was that everybody's going to be raised. The dead and those who are living will be changed. Those who are dead will be changed. It's going to be an amazing thing. In fact, he says, death is swallowed up in victory. In fact, in verse 55, he says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? There's not one. And we'd say, well, how is this possible that death is defeated? How? It's because in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory over sin and death by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. By his resurrection, we have won the victory. This is the reason the death and resurrection of Christ is the most important event in history. And that's why we call these two lessons the most important event in history, part one, and now part two, because of the death and resurrection of Christ. We have the payment for sin when he died. We have the victory over death when he rose. And so this morning, we're going to focus on really the second part, and that's the resurrection. Now, I want you to understand something. We realize the purpose of Easter is not to tell people that how they could live better lives. Easter is the celebration of the victory of Jesus Christ over death. He died on the cross to pay for sin. He rose from the grave three days later on the first day of the week having victory. That's what the story of the Bible is, how the perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son Jesus. Jesus came, died, and rose again. So 
as we begin this morning, I want to remind you of what we started last week. We said this. There were three big things we were going to look at. We saw that Christ said that he would die and rise again, and then we saw the death and the resurrection. So what we did last week was the first two. Christ said he would die and rise again, and, and then we saw the death, and that's where we ended. And this morning, we're going to see the resurrection. So I want you to remember that Christ declared, last time he declared, he was going to Jerusalem, be handed over to the Gentiles, and be put to death. And we saw what happened. They arrested him in that night. He had three trials before the Jews, two at night, one before Caius, uh, one before Annas, one before Caius, and then the next morning before the Sanhedrin, three trials before the Jews all found guilty. Then he went before the Romans. First, it was to Pontius Pilate, and he was not guilty. Then they sent him to Herod, not guilty. Then they sent him back to Pilate, not guilty. So six trials, three guilty before the Jews, three non-guilty before the Romans. And then we saw him, that uh, you know, the crowd said, crucify him, let Barabbas go, crucify Jesus. And so we saw them take Jesus out, put him on the cross as we read through the passages, and he died on the cross to pay for our sins. And it would be very sad if that was the end of the story. If we all said, boy, that was some kind of story, and that Jesus was really a good, a good guy, we would be, as Paul said, if that's the end of the story, we're of all people to be most, pit- most pitied. See, that day was a very unique day. Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross. For his enemies, it was a victory. For the soldiers, it was just another day. For his followers, it was the death of their brightest hope and dreams. The Messiah, they thought, was the Messiah, was now dead. But you know what? Jesus said something on the cross right before he died. His final words were, into your hands I commit my spirit. But the words right before that was this, it is finished. The payment for sin was finished. Jesus died on the cross and paid for the sins of mankind. And when he died, it said that the veil in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. Jesus died, and we saw that he was buried. And as we said a while ago, This is not where the story ends. Jesus is risen from the dead. As we said a while ago, the century, in the first century, there was a greeting on the first day of the week. It was, he is risen, he is risen indeed. So this morning, we're going to do three things. I want you to see it, and what we're going to do is this. We're going to look at the fact of the resurrection. Christ rose. We're going to see just several things. Then, we're going to talk about why is it so important that he rose, because if when he died on the cross, he paid for sin, and he said it is finished, and it is finished. Why is it so important that he rose from the grave? And then the third thing is we just want to end with our response to the resurrection and to, to this great message. What do we do? So let's start, and if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles back to our scripture that we read earlier. Turn to Luke, turn to Luke chapter 24, and we're going to start by seeing the fact of the resurrection that he arose. Now, remember, we ended with the death of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you look at Luke chapter 23, look at verse 53, what has happened to a man named Joseph of Arimathea, who was a believer, he was actually a secret believer, he was a secret disciple, in fact, and so he went up to Pilate and said, can I have the body? And Pilate said, is he really dead? And they said, yeah, they checked with the Roman soldiers, yes. So Pilate uh, gave the body over to to, uh, to Joseph of Arimathea and also a man named Nicodemus. And it says this in verse 53 of Luke 23. And he took down, took down the body, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb cut into the rock which no one had ever lain. And then it was the preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin, so they did all that. What happened then, we're going to see some women saw all of that that was happening. We'll talk more about that. So they put him in the tomb. And as we said a while ago, if this is how it ends, then... We got nothing. We got a dead martyr is all we have. 
if this is how it ended, but it doesn't end this way. We have great news. Jesus Christ not only died to pay for our sins, but he rose again to conquer death. Death is defeated. So let's see what happens. As we look at this, we're going to see three groups. We're going to see two women at the tomb. We're going to see uh, the women at the tomb. We're going to see two believers, and we're going to see the disciples, and we'll see how this fits together. So let's start with the women at the tomb, and it begins, it begins on the first day of the week. Look at Luke 24. Look at verse 1. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they, the women, came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. Now, on the first day of the week, this is Sunday. Remember, under the Jewish thing, the way it's all set up, it says you shall work six days and rest on the seventh. First day of the week is Sunday. The last day of the week is Saturday. So the first day of the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they were to work. And then Saturday, which was the Sabbath, they were to rest. And so this is on the first day of the week. So this is Sunday. This is a Sunday after he died. They come out there very early. Now, who are they? And if you look back at chapter 23, verse 55, it says, Now the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed, and they saw the tomb, and how the body was laid, and they returned and prepared spices, and on the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. So they're, they're resting, they're waiting, they're going to see what, what's, what's going to happen. So here's what happens. So the women, we know that one is Mary Magdalene, the other is another Mary, and then there's another one. So they went and prepared spices. And look what happened. They're going to go out there. Now what we know is now very early on Sunday morning, one of the Gospels says it's not light yet. You, 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 so it's still dark. And they go out there, and as they go, the women raise this question to themselves. They say, you know, uh, the stone is really big that's in front of the tomb, and we may have to have somebody help us. We've got to figure out how we're going to get the, you know, the roll of the stone back so we can get in. So it looks, and when they got there, it says in verse 2, they, and when they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. So when they got there, the, the, they could go straight in, and when they entered, verse 3, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, when they went in there, there was no body there. The body of Jesus was gone. Now, you know it was a shock because they're expected to go in there and the body would be laying on a slab, wrapped up, and what they were going to do is bring these spices and anoint the body, and they would do this maybe for 30 days, maybe even longer, until there's nothing left but bones, and then they'd put them in what they called an ossuary, which was a bone box. That's what, that's what they did in those days. And so they've come to anoint the body. And you anoint the body as it decays, and the anointing is to make it not smell so bad while it's decaying. So they went in there, and they entered. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And they went, oh, my gracious. While they were perplexed about this, they didn't know what to think, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. One of the other gospels says that the one was at the head and one was at the foot where the body of Jesus had been. So these two angels appear as two men, but they're in dazzling clothing. So they're angels, and they've come to give a message to the women. And here's what happens. Of course, these angels are powerful beings, and we know that. Whenever, whenever you look in the Scripture and you see people confronted or see angels at all, people are always scared because angels are powerful beings. And so it said this, and, and as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. They're so scared. The men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? Now, the angels have come with a message, and they're very much afraid, and they say to them, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? See, Jesus Christ is a living Savior. Jesus said, I'm going to die, and three days later, I'm going to rise again. And so they're basically asking her, the women, Why did y'all come out to a graveyard where dead people are, to a grave in the side of the hill. Why did you come here when you're looking for Jesus? Because he's alive. 
He's not dead. Why would you seek the living one among the dead? And then they go ahead and answer. Because he, he, they answer to the ladies. They look at them and said, he's not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee? He says he is not here. He is risen. Look, those words are so amazing. That's why in the first century he has risen. He has risen indeed. That's why we say on Easter uh, we remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus died, but he didn't stay dead. Three days later he rose again. And so the angels say to them, he's not here, but he has risen. And then they said, remember how he spoke to you? While he was still in Galilee? Remember what he said when he was on the way here, when he used to be in Galilee over and over? He would remind them. He said that the Son of Man would be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Remember the message we saw last week that he was going to die and then rise again? Look what it says. Remember that he would be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified. That's his death. And on the third day rise again. That's his resurrection. And then it says this. And they remembered his words. They remembered. Over and over, he said that. Over and over, I'm going to Jerusalem. We handed over to the, to the religious leaders and then to the Gentiles, and I'll be crucified, but three days later, I will rise again. It goes on to say, and they returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. The eleven, of course, were the eleven apostles. that are, you know, that are left. Judas is dead. And then the others. There are, there are other believers there. And they all, they come back and they say, we went out to the tomb and the tomb is gone and the angels told us that he's alive. Here's what they said. They said, the tomb is empty. We talked to angels and we remembered the message that Jesus said. The women. Think about the women. The women were the first really to grasp that he was going to die and rise again. The women were the first ones that go out and find the empty tomb. The women were the first ones that he appeared to. To Mary? Well, there's more. So we've seen that first one. Let's see the second one. They've got two believers. And this is one of my favorite passages. People call this the road to Emmaus because they're two believers who had been with the original 11, who had been with him, and they're on the way to a little town called Emmaus, and Jesus joins them. Let's look what happens. Look at verse 13. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. So here's two guys walking, and they're, and they're talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. Now, they're talking about the death of Jesus Christ. They had heard. Listen, what are they talking about? They were there when the women came from the tomb and said, we went to the tomb, it is empty, and we saw angels, and they said, he's alive. They knew that. That's what they were told. And so they're going to their village, Emmaus, and it's about seven miles, and they're walking, and they're talking about what happened. They're probably saying to themselves, what do you think? You think those ladies just imagined it? Do you think that there really were angels? Do you think that he's really alive? Well, while they're walking and talking about this, look what happened, verse 15. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Listen, it was very common that when you walked, most people walked places. When you walked, you didn't usually walk by yourself because of robbers. And so when you're walking, these two guys, it's not uncommon for somebody else to join you. So as they're walking around, somebody else joined them. They don't know who it is. It's Jesus. In fact, it says that their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. They, they didn't know who it was. They couldn't tell who he was. 
So they're walking along talking, and Jesus said these words to them. What are the words that Jesus said to them? What are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? Jesus basically says, what are y'all talking about? Maybe not y'all. Maybe not what are y'all talking about, but what are you talking about? And, and, and they stood still. And I love this because it said, and they stood still looking sad. Now think about this. They have been told by women that the tomb is empty and angels told, him, told them that he's alive. But they're still looking what? They're still looking sad. Because I don't think they've grasped that. I don't think they actually think it yet. I'm not sure they actually believe it. They're just saying, I just don't know. I just don't know. So Jesus says, what are y'all talking about? And they stopped, and one of them named Cleophas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened in these days? He said, are you new around here? Did you just show up, or you must be a stranger? You don't know what happened. And then Jesus said, what things? What are you talking about? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to sentence to death, and they crucified him. But, but, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since all this happened. I'm going to stop there for a second. What did they say? They said, we, Jesus was the prophet. By the way, to be a prophet doesn't mean he's not the Messiah. In fact, in Deuteronomy 18, 15, the prophet is the Messiah. They said he's the prophet. He was arrested. He was killed. He was crucified. We were hoping that he would be the redeemer. We thought he was the Messiah. But there's more news. And they went ahead and said this in verse 22. But also some women among us amazed us. They amazed us. How? When they were at the tomb early this morning, they did not find the, the body. And they came and they said that they had a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And they said, and then some of the rest of them went out there to look. And it was just like the lady said, that there was an empty tomb. So they said, we don't know really what to think. We don't know what to think. We don't know what happened to the body. And, and the angels, some say that they think he's alive. To think about it, if you were there, what would you think? You had been with Jesus. You heard Jesus talk about all these things. You saw him die on the cross, basically, maybe. And you, you knew that he was buried. And, and that's the last of it. And as far as you know, the things that you believed maybe is over and you're not expecting anything, and then these ladies come and say, we went out to the tomb, and it's empty, and angel said that he's alive. And you say, wow, we were hoping he would be the one that would redeem us. And what does Jesus say to them? In fact, we don't know what happened to the body. You, 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 you would want to believe that he's alive? What does Jesus say? And I love this part. He says, he said to them in verse 25, Oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. He said, you're just slow to understand. He said, you foolish, you, do you not remember what I told you? Do you not remember what the Bible said? Do you not remember what the prophets have written? See, the prophets said the Messiah would die and rise again. He said, and then Jesus told you a bunch of times he was going to die and rise again. Why is it taking you so long to get it? He said, you're slow to understand. And you know, sometimes we are slow to believe God's word. Sometimes we're slow to believe the truth. In fact, there's some maybe listening right now who have never put your faith in Christ, and you're slow to believe that he is who he said he is. 
He is the Son of God who died and rose again, and he offers the gift of eternal life. And there's some of you who have said, well, I'm, I'm still thinking, or I don't know, or I, you know, I want more information. And the truth is that Jesus is the one. He is the Savior. He is the reason we're alive, the reason we worship, and one day we'll all be together with him. So don't be slow to believe. So look what happens. He said, oh, foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? He said, isn't that what's supposed to happen? The Christ, the Messiah, would suffer. That's his death. And then he would enter into glory. That's the resurrection and the reign. That's going to happen. The Old Testament said the Messiah would suffer and die, and then he would reign. He said, why are you having such trouble believing the Scripture? That's exactly what it said. And then he did something that every one of us would wish we were there. Jesus taught the Bible, and he taught the Bible from the Old Testament, what, starting with Genesis, all the way up to then, and he taught about himself. Every one of us would have said, whoa, wow, I would have loved to do that. Look what it says. Then beginning with Moses, that's starting with the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and with all the prophets, that's the rest of it, he, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. He taught about himself. Now, they don't know it's Jesus. They know that whoever this guy is, he's a great teacher. In fact, they say later is, wow, our hearts were burning with us when he taught. We didn't know who he was. And so he's teaching, and they're going, wow. And he's going all the way through. And can you imagine? He, he's talking, going back, and he starts what Moses wrote from the beginning in Genesis, and he's going through the Old Testament, and he's explaining things concerning himself. He could talk about the Exodus, that he's the Passover lamb. He could go to Psalm 22, and when he talks about, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He could say, that's Jesus, that's the Messiah right there. He could go to Isaiah 53, and he was bruised and wounded for our iniquities. That's the Messiah there. He could go to Psalm 16 and says, he will not allow his soul, him to, his, his body or anything to see corruption. That's the resurrection. He could go to Psalm 2 and say, he's the king who's going to rule with the rod of iron. He's the Messiah. Could you imagine Jesus teaching all the way through the Old Testament about himself? We would just be there going, well, don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. Imagine that. Well, they finally get to where they're going. And so they decide that he acts like he's going on, but they said, no, no, why don't you stay and eat with us? So he decides to stay and eat with them, and look what happens. Verse 30. When he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he had given, given to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Can you imagine eating with him, this guy who just taught you the whole Bible, and you're sitting there, and you're going, wow, and as he breaks bread, suddenly you realize it's Jesus, and he disappears. You can see him go, where did he go? That was him. And there are some people who say that what they recognized first is when he broke the bread, they could see the scars. And they recognized the scars, and then they recognized him. Well, immediately they got up and said, we've got to go back, and we've got to tell everybody else. So they rushed back the seven miles. And by the way, it's already dark. And most of the time you didn't travel at night, but they're going to travel because they got to get back and tell people they have actually seen him, that what those angels told those ladies was true. And they began, they came all the way back, and when they got back, the disciples said, he's already appeared to Peter. And then they said, in verse 35, they related their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them when they broke the bread. Wow. So we've seen the ladies at the tomb. And we've seen the two people walking on the road to Emmaus, and now went up the section. 
And that's the disciples. And so while they're all together, you can imagine possibly the ladies, the disciples, these two people on the road to Emmaus who come back, and they're all saying, we saw him. Peter said, I saw him. And the ladies said, we saw him. And they're all talking, and look what happens. It says, while they were telling these things, verse 36, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, peace be to you. See, while they were talking, notice he appeared to them. And they were amazed, and of course he said, uh, why are you troubled? Why do you doubt? Verse 39, see my hands and my feet. It is me as I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I am. And he showed them who he was. And then here's what he did. He said, I've told you all about what the Bible said, how the law, the law and the prophets must be fulfilled. In verse 44, he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things that are written about me, about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, and he opened their minds to understand the scripture. Suddenly, all those teachings and all those things that he said begin to make sense. They begin to put it together. You know, there's a place early where he tells very early a part of his ministry and they say something about him and he said, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. And they thought he was talking about the temple at Jerusalem, but he was talking about his body. It says in that passage of John that later after his resurrection from the dead, they understood what he meant. I think right here they begin to put it together, who he is and what he's done. He's the Messiah. He died. He rose again. He's just fulfilling the scripture. He's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. He began to teach the scriptures. That's why it's so important for all of us to study the Bible. It's so important that we dig the Word of God, that our whole church is called Stillwater Bible Church because it's based on the scripture that we're supposed to study the Bible and understand it and apply it. So he taught them the scripture. The fact of the resurrection. We have seen the the, the, the empty tomb and the women. We've seen the two believers who saw him on the road. We've seen the disciples, Jesus standing in the midst. Paul writes later on that all the apostles saw him then Peter saw him, basically. And then he says, at one time, 500 people at one time saw him. So we've seen the, the resurrection. So here's the second thing. And we'll go very quickly through these last two. But the second one is, what is the importance of the resurrection? If Jesus died on the cross and paid for sin, what difference does it make whether he rose or not? Well, first of all, there's two things. One, it proved that death is conquered. So he realized that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for sin, and he rose again to conquer death. In 1 Corinthians 15, 20, it says, but Christ is risen from the dead, the first fruits, meaning he's the first one to rise from the dead, and everybody else will rise from the dead. In fact, the Bible says, in Adam all die, in Christ all, all people we made alive. In Jesus Christ, he has conquered death. Death is not the end for anyone. We're not talking about just believers. We're talking about every human being one day will be raised from the dead because death is defeated. That's why in verses 15, 55 and 57, he says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? There's not one. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's understand that Jesus Christ has conquered death and all people will be raised from the dead. Now, I want you to understand something. There's a difference between living forever and having eternal life. Living forever is existing forever. Having eternal life is an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because Jesus has conquered death, every person will exist forever. Let me put it this way. Some people will live forever with Jesus Christ. 
That's because they have eternal life, and that comes by faith. They have trusted in Christ to give them eternal life. Some people will live forever separated from Jesus Christ. We actually call it the second death, and most of the time I say some people will die forever separated from Jesus Christ because they rejected Christ as Savior. So where are you? If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, you have eternal life and you will live forever with Jesus Christ. If you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you do not have eternal life. You will, what the Bible calls, you'll have experienced the second death. You'll die forever being separated from Jesus Christ. Now, we don't want to die forever being separated. We want to live forever with Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, and that comes by faith. That's why God so loved the world, that's us, that he gave his son, that's Jesus, to die and rise again, that whosoever, anyone, would put their faith in him, would believe in him, would never perish, not be separated, not have the second death, but have eternal life. If you put your faith right now in Jesus Christ, he gives you at this exact moment eternal life. So why is it so important that Jesus rose again? It proves that death is conquered. Second, it proves our sins are paid for. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for sin. And 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're still in our sins. You remember what Jesus said on the cross? It is finished. Sin is paid for. And then we realize, 1 John 2, 2, that Jesus is the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. So why is it so important that Jesus rose from the grave? Because it proved that death is conquered and it proved that our sins are paid for. Think about this. When he died, he paid for sin. When he rose, he conquered death. That takes us to our final part, and that is, what is our response to the resurrection? Before we see us, think about them. You know what he told them in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? He says, you will be my witnesses. You'll begin in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and then you'll go throughout the whole world. You'll take the message of my witnesses that I died and rose again, and whoever believes in me has eternal life. We find also in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which applies to all of us, he told them to make disciples. Go throughout the whole world and make disciples, and, uh, and that is telling people about Jesus Christ and then training them and equipping them. Now, what about us? And I want you to think about some things as we look at some applications very quickly. And let's do this. this is, let's think about, now this is for believers. Let us realize the victory we have in Jesus Christ. He's conquered death. Think about it. Thank God for the victory over the grave. And Jesus Christ has won that victory. And when, when we think about a loved one dying or something like that, it's not the end. Death is not the end. And death is conquered, and we will live forever with Jesus Christ. We're talking about believers. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 15, 58 and 57, he says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. With that in mind, what do we do? What do we do? Well, we're to be faithful servants of Jesus Christ. And here's what we do. That passage says, be steadfast, keep on going, unmovable, don't get off the path, always abounding in the word of the Lord, or the work of the Lord is really uh, serving him and doing what he wants us to do. So for believers, let's realize the victory we have, thank him for the victory, and be faithful. Now there's the second application. And let's take the gospel message into the world. Let's make known the good news. Now, I want to be clear. The gospel message is Jesus died on the cross to pay for sin, and he rose again to conquer death, and whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. We need to know the gospel and proclaim the gospel. So I want to stop for just a second, and there's some of you listening who may have never trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, and you need 
right now to put your faith in Christ on this resurrection day to understand that he died for you on the cross and paid for sin and he rose again conquering death and if you believe in him you have eternal life don't be slow to believe the truth Jesus is the savior he died and rose again and if you believe in him he gives you eternal life now for those of us who are believers then we need to be ready to share the message with other people so let's don't be slow to take the message to others. And so I want you to do two things. Number one, pray for opportunities to share your faith and pray for particular people. Think about this. There may be people that you come in contact with that you say, oh, I I don't know if they're a Christian or not. Write down their name and say, Lord, give me an opportunity somewhere down the road that I might have an opportunity to share about Jesus Christ. May we realize the great victory we have in Christ and be faithful. So on this great Easter Sunday, thank God for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. To die, to pay for sin, to rise, to conquer death. In a world needing hope, because our world is in chaos. The world is shut down. The world is all afraid about a virus and everything else. In a world needing hope, we have the good news. The good news of the message of Jesus Christ, how he died and rose again, and whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Now, this morning, if if you trusted Christ this morning, call us. Call the church office. I'd love to talk with you. If you have any questions about how to have eternal life or any of the things that we talked about this morning, be sure and call the church. I would love to talk with you any, any way we can. Thank you for a great morning. Remember this. He has risen. He is risen indeed.